Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of Kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join KumiteCoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of the Karate Podcast. I'm really excited today to have with me Steve Payne, who is a great friend of mine, someone I've trained with in the past, someone who's helped me with my karate. He's a fifth degree black belt in karate. He's a black belt in kickboxing in Jeet Kune Do and Kali and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He has been a former international of karate, a national champion, and also a three times European champion in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He's a fantastic martial artist. Not only that, he's a fantastic human being. So thanks very much, Steve Sensei, for being with us today. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Ben, for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So great to talk to you again. Um, Steve, would you just tell us what experiences or events led to getting into martial arts? Um, and I presume it was karate was your first. It, it, it was. To be honest, I, I wanted to do martial arts from when I was a, a small child. Um, you know, we're talking the 70s now, so we're not talking the kind of, you know, 80s, 90s. We're talking in the 70s and I, I kind of wanted to do martial arts, but my parents were totally against it. I think because I didn't really understand what it was all about. So for me, I wanted to do a judo, I wanted to do kung fu, I wanted to do karate, I wanted to do all these different things. And they just said, no, 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 to all of it. So when I turned 18, I thought, right, I'm driving already. I'm going to just go and do it. So uh, every Sunday, I used to say, right, I'm coming back. I'm just going out for a little bit. Where are you going? And I'd already be out the door, door would close, and I'd go to karate class. Literally, I looked it up in the local paper, and it was a local karate group. Um, you know, I knew nothing about karate whatsoever. So mm. I didn't know anything about styles. I didn't know anything about competition. I didn't even know there was karate competitions. Uh, I knew literally nothing. And I'd just turn up at the class. The first, um, I turned up for the demonstration first, and at the demo, they, um, I got there a bit late and um, they literally just finished the demo as I got in. And, you know, I'm just an 18 year old kid, you know, literally just had my birthday. And um, I said, oh, okay, I'm interested in signing up. What do I need to do? He said, right, well, it costs, say it was a fiver. I can't remember which it was. I said, I've only got a pound in my pocket. He goes, I'll take that. So he took a <laughs> pound <laughs> he said, I'll see you next week. <laughs> and that's pretty much where it started. So I just turned up every week and that was that. Amazing, amazing. And what, what do you remember what it was that drew you into staying? Because a lot of people turn up for their first class and then that's the last class they take. So they find it a bit overwhelming or it doesn't match their expectation of being a ninja. Um, so what was it that, that hooked you in? I think what it was, and it's probably transcends to all the martial arts that I've done, I realised I wasn't anywhere near the best. If anything, I was having to work really hard just to be level. So that challenge in itself was actually good for me. So it was like, yeah. do you know what? I'm not great at this. I need to keep going till I can at least get to, to good. If I can get to good, then I'll be quite happy with that. So that was, you know, that's been the journey through all the martial arts I've done. So I started it 
think, okay, this is quite challenging and I can't, I don't have the skill set to be able to do this, but if I work hard, hopefully I'll be able to do it. So that's essentially what I did. Yeah, great. And with, with the club you went to, um, was that the club you stayed with? And if so, yeah. were you just lucky in finding a good club? Um, yes, it was a club that I stayed with. Um, up until lockdown, it was literally the hall that we trained in, yeah? Um, though they kind of knocked it down and, you know, we kind of moved around in the same building. Um, essentially, it's the same place that I always trained in. Um, would I, yeah, I guess I was lucky. Um, quite early on in that journey, um, I met uh, my very good friend, uh, Francis Newfor, um, and the way that he trained kind of rubbed off on me, uh, which allowed me to train better, allowed me to train smarter, allowed me to, to fight to a, to, a, to a level, and we were fighting hard every single week. Um, it kind of elevated what I was learning uh, up until that time, you know, and uh, I will always be grateful to Francis for um, what he did for me in my martial arts. That really got me properly on the road. Yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. Um, and with your uh, your sort of club, was it a traditional club? Was it a club that was focused on competition? Um, how was your journey? Because I mean, eighteen, it's not the youngest to start. You know, karate. A lot of people start when they're little kids, like I did. Um, but you you start at eighteen. You've reached a really high level in in the game. Uh, talk us through a little bit of your you know history with that club. Well, the, the actual club itself was more of a freestyle um, club. So um, we, yes, we did do competitions, but not on the larger scale initially. Um, it was really it was really Francis who really said, right, let's go and compete. So yeah. every week would be a competition. So, wow. you know, you'd get your uh, traditional karate, combat, martial arts illustrated. You know, I used to get all the publications, you know, from about 1986, 1987, every single edition I have in my loft somewhere up to about 2002 or something like that, yeah? Of all of, of, all of those magazines. Uh, my news agent quickly worked out that he could just send me everything. So, um, we look at the back, these are the competitions, and you literally could turn up to competitions in those days. It was not, you know, you couldn't, you didn't have to pre-book, pay in advance, that kind of stuff. You literally could just turn up, pay your money, and you could fight. And we did that every single weekend, you know. Um, a lot of the places were within, you know, commutable distance. So, you know, sometimes you could even teach the class, jump in the car, drive for a couple of hours, and still get there in time to fight. You know, but, so that was, that was, it was great to be able to do that, you know, so we just fought, fought, fought and fought. Um, so I guess we became more competition oriented, but we, we weren't because we always had that, that thought that martial arts isn't just about competition. Competition is like 5% of what really we're learning, you know, so you need to be able to apply, the, apply your knowledge. And it was just a, a method to actually deal with uh, aspects of the application of your knowledge. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and so for you, the, the journey in martial arts is about, uh, is it about self-discovery? Is it about 100%. adding to, to you as a person? Yeah. What, what do you feel it gives people? I, I, I think the biggest 
uh, fight that we have is against ourselves. You know, you know, it's our it's our toughest critic. It's our toughest. Um, you know, when praise is given out, we tend to give ourselves that praise last. You know, uh, when criticism is given out, we are first to give that, that criticism to ourselves, and we and we're really tough with that. Yeah. Um, martial arts kind of teaches you to accept who you are as a as a person. You know, it teaches you core values, i.e., you know, respect, um, treating people as you expect to be treated yourself, those kind of things, uh, discipline. Uh, these are standard things which go across all martial arts pretty much. And, um, you know, karate particularly emphasizes that uh, as a, a core maxim, if you like, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I'd be quite interested to understand for you, you know, you are a competitor, you've, you've competed in a lot of the martial arts you've uh, become accomplished in, whether it's jujitsu or karate. What what is it about competition that lures you towards it, and what do you find could give you benefit from being in that rather than not? That's a good question, to be honest, because I kind of started competition by accident. Um, the club was having, having a, a competition. It was it was local. It was in it was in London. It was in Walthamstow, and um, I went along to watch. I said, I'm definitely not going to do it. It's a bit too much for me. Still too new, you know, I'd done like one grading ever, you know? Yeah. And I turned up to watch this thing. I wasn't going to take part, but for some reason I brought my bag. <laughs> and I was in the bag, yeah? Again, you have to remember at the time, this was still the secret squirrel kind of mission. My family did not know I was training martial arts. Yeah. Because of all the negativity up until that time, they had no idea I was training. So yeah. I was leaving the house every Sunday, you know, stuff was in my bag. I was washing my stuff, putting it in my bag, and no one knew what was going on, you know? So um, I've turned up with my bag, which happened to have my gi in it. And they said, oh, Steve, you're here to compete? I said, no, not really. Where's your gi? It's in my bag. So straight away, I was in, you know? <laughs> I hadn't intended it to be that way, but that's basically what happened, you know? So um, I started competing and Though the very first competition that I did, I lost. Uh, I got kicked in the, uh, the down belows a few times during that fight, but <laughs> lost. You know, it went, it went to sudden death, interesting, lost. And I thought, okay, I could do better next time. So it was like to try and see if I could improve on what I did. And it kind of just started to snowball from there. Uh, at some point, we started going to bigger tournaments and the opposition got better and better. And you win some, you lose some, you learn from it. Uh, by the time I got to like a six Q, um, I felt quite confident I could go to competitions and I could handle most people. And I remember uh, there was a, a Eastern region tournament. I think it was in Northampton. I went to, and I watched a couple of people in their first round and I thought, no problem. I can handle anybody here. And it was like, um, you know, you had freestyle guys there, you had traditional guys there, you had all sorts of stuff. It was a traditional tournament. Uh, run by the AMA uh, and the AKA that was in those days. And I've come up to fight my first fight thinking, well, this guy's going to be no problems. And it just didn't work out. No matter what I did, it didn't work out. And I lost and I was out. And I watched the rest of that, that match, the rest of that like, the competition. And I'm thinking, none of these guys should have beaten me. How did I lose to this thing? And then, you know, some of those guys have gone on to do, do, do some good stuff. Yeah, I learned a valuable lesson that day. I went in there a bit too, um, 
arrogant probably the wrong word. I'd say overconfident. Yeah. I thought, you know what? I can handle it. And ever since then, I've always gone into a competition with a little bit of nerves. And those nerves have carried me and helped me, it's kept me at the right level where I'm confident, but not overly confident. Uh, and that's kind of, again, that's gone across all the arts as well. So jujitsu, for example, I wasn't interested in doing competitions at all. And this went on for a while. And then uh, some of my teammates were saying, Steve, you should compete, you should compete. And I said, no, I'm retired. I retired from fighting, I'm done. Da, da. And then it just kept going on and on and on. And eventually I said, all right, I'll do one. And then I forgot what it, was, it felt like. That was the thing. I forgot yeah. what it felt like to be a competitor. And it did feel good. And okay, I came second. I didn't win. But, you know, I beat a few guys along the way. And I thought, actually, I could do this. So that then I continued down that road. Um, but as far as karate was concerned, I'd retired. By the time I was like, ooh, 28, 29, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd retired. You know, my body couldn't, you know, I didn't have the technology as we have today with personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches and that kind of stuff. So I was trying to work it all out myself. Yeah. And clearly didn't, I didn't have the technology to, to make sure that my body could have continued down that road at that time. I wish I did, but that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. So as a, as a karate competitor, before we move forward, um, can you tell us a little bit about the, some of the highlights of your competitive career? And did your goals suddenly switch you know, as you, as you attained your black belt or anything like that? Or, or was it just a steady progression? Um, I think it was more of a steady progression. Uh, when I was like a third queue, because uh, I remembered up until that time, very comfortable, fight whoever's there, take them out, just beat them. And all of a sudden, third queue, because it used to be third queue and above was competitions. Yeah. So it was like, um, you know, if you were like, you know, tenth, in the ninth and tenth queue, they would fight, and then it'd be everybody else in the middle, then it was third queue and above. Yeah. And it was like, man, all of a sudden, that's black belts and everyone in there. This <laughs> be challenging. Uh, so the first competition I, I fought in, um, how did I do? Actually, the very first competition I did as third queue and above, it was open competition and I won the competition. Uh, then I fought in the open class, um, the team event. And after the first round of the team event, some black belt just gave me the gakazuki and they hit me right underneath the rib just there. Oh man, just them small little ribs there. And I couldn't even lift my arm up, I was done. So that was the, that was the end of me that particular day, you know? Yeah. I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm not completely and utterly out of my depth. Um, we'll just keep going. But again, you know, you never know how things are gonna go in, in regards to that. Uh, I can't remember exactly if this was before then, it might well have been, but it might have been after, I can't remember. Um, another open competition, I'm fighting this guy, is a Taekwondo guy. This guy is killing everyone with the axe kick. He's literally killing everyone with his axe kick. And I'm, I watched him through, you know, he's a black belt. I'm seeing him beating everybody up. And I thought, how are you catching people with his thing, man? He shouldn't be catching anybody. So I then come up against him in the, in the, in the team event. And the team event used to be five-man team in those days, not three. Yeah. Um, I used to like to fight third. Anyway, I'm fighting. This is the guy I'm fighting. It's this guy, the axe kick guy, has been killing everyone with his axe kick. So I'm there, put, put, you know, I'm up. So let's go, let's go. I'm moving. I move back. He throws the leg up. The leg's going, whoom, straight up in the air. I thought, yeah, yeah. 
you're not catching me with that. So I'd move back. But then I'd move forward and his leg was still there. <laughs> Boom! Knocked his ass kick on my head. All I can remember was picking myself up from the ground. I was completely done. And I had that, I had a tunnel vision, you know, when you kind of, yeah. you can't see anything, just to, yeah. and I had to just survive. It was just survival after that. And he said, you're a good youngster, you know, just keep working, you're going to do all right. It, it, it was very encouraging, you know, but it, the technique, we owned that technique. That was such a great technique. Uh, so I started using Axe after that. Um, I, I used it quite a lot, in, particularly um, in post-karate days, I used it a lot. Um, yeah. you know they keep boxing and that kind of stuff but yeah that that, that was interesting but i think um it, again francis he he got me he said look you need to come along to uh ama uh, national squad training i thought okay um again in case people don't know i'll explain um the way that karate works it still kind of works similar ways today i think um you have um we we'll use football as an example but I'm a, I'm a Chelsea or Man City fan because I'm neither. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan. But um, you have like club level where you get to like Champions League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then you have the national team. Yeah. So um, the association level, which is pretty much where most of my fighting took place, was like you know your Liverpool's, your Man City's, your you know so on and so forth. That's where I. I fought. So you had international competition. Then the step above that would be the national team with, um, that's the full England team. So you've got like a all a stars. Yeah. yeah. Then you have all stars, everybody in, in that. By that stage, we'd already decided not to fight in the freestyle competitions anymore and to focus more on traditional. Uh, for, uh, for me, it was more about respect. Um, not that there was some disrespectful people in, in the freestyle stuff. But there was more respect in the traditional side. So yeah. my personal preference was the traditional competitions, much more respectful, etc. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I enjoyed enjoyed to compete. So yeah, basically started competing in, uh, with the AMA national squad. Um, went for trials, successful in those trials. Then we went to um, first international trip was to Berlin, and maybe because it was the first trip. Is one I like the most, but um, historically, um, the AMA at that time were coming out of um, out of the doldrums, if you like. They hadn't done very well for for quite a few years. The previous generation were very successful. However, there was a uh, a situation, we'll just say, just for just to keep it kind of PC, which took place at a competition between them and another association which basically got people banned and barred for life. Right. Um, you can guess kind of what, what went down there. And because of that, there was a, almost like a generation where there wasn't really anybody coming from the association doing well. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to kind of rectify that. So um, I remember us going to, head, to headquarters used to be in London before it moved up north. And um, we turned up at headquarters and people are telling us, are you boys going to get smashed up? You're gonna get this, and I think, wait a minute. Surely you should be cheering us on. Yeah. Good luck, guys. I wish you the best. You help us on, but they're telling us the exact opposite. But we actually knew how we felt inside that we were gonna do right. So, you know, despite people saying we're gonna get smashed up, we're gonna get this, we're gonna get that, 
It went to Berlin. And Berlin, so the wall had just come down. Um, we were told to just to be careful because there was there was a lot of like neo-Nazi kind of stuff going on over there at the time and all this kind of stuff. And we were careful. No one did anything silly and get themselves into any problems, didn't go off by themselves or anything. But we turned up to this tournament, it's an international tournament. First round, so it's a team competition. It's not an individual competition, it's a team competition. Yeah. I think we were better as a team than we were as individuals, to be totally honest. Yeah. Anyway, um, we fought, we fought, we fought, we fought, we fought, and we got to the final. Now, you know, some were saying, yeah, you guys did really well to get to the final, but these guys are super tough and da da da. I'm trying to remember what, what nation they were from, actually. Nope, can't remember. I have to ask somebody. Can't remember. Anyway, um, there was a big long intermission where they put up for lunch and they want this and they want to do that. It was like two, three hours. Anyway, there must have been about an hour, hour and a half left before the competition. We side. So one of the, one of our team started just warming up. They're running from one end of the hall to the other end of the hall, just jogging lightly. Then a second team member joins them and two of them are running. Then a third, then a fourth, then five of us running like this. Then the rest of the squad joins us and we're all running up and down. And everyone's looking at us, who are these guys? When we fought in that final, it was another level, man. We just took everybody out. It was just done. It was just, it was just done. And um, they gave us these trophies. Man, still the nicest trophy I think I've ever won. It's, um, uh, they're like the Hofmeister beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a, it's a Berlin fighting bear, like a bear standing on its on its back legs, kind of giving it the kind of thing like this, and it's got like a crown on its head. It's like a golden bear. So they pull it back this big. Lovely, lovely trophy. So nice. And that was, we came back, and everybody's like, mm, yeah, these boys went over to Germany. Yeah, they took everyone out. I remember we went to the British, and people, there was like, People were going, oh, how did these guys get on? But the, the, our first match was against Wayne Otto's team, yeah? So Terry Daly's team, uh, yeah. Wakey Ryu guys against Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Terry and all, and all the guys. And we fought hard, but they did take us out. You know, Wayne is a world champion, come on. You know, yeah. so <laughs> we, 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 fought, we fought well, but they took, they took us out. But we had a little bit of respect, I think, from the community at that stage where it had previously been lost, you know? Uh, and I think over the years, we got more respect. Certain competitions that, that we went to, like tr uh, traditional karate magazine had, used to have a competition from time to time. And um, they had a team competition one year and we fought Ishinru, we fought British Sport. We just couldn't be stopped that day. We, we just took everyone out, which was, uh, which was great. That was a good feeling. Because these, <laughs> these were the top teams. Yeah, you know? yeah. They were the top teams, but that day, was our day, you know? Um, well, it's in the history books. I don't need to say anything else other than that. So yeah, okay. th those kind of things were, were, were the kind of the highlights for me. Um, I did enjoy, uh, I tried to fight with, um, I went for fight-offs and stuff at Tiki's. Uh, things didn't always go right for me. I, I had tremendous cramp problems. Cramp, <laughs> like literally throw me off, throw me into the air cramp, yeah? Wow. So um, cramp caused me a few problems when I was fighting off. So I didn't fight to the potential I, I wanted to. And I got a couple, picked up a couple of injuries. I got a toenail in the eye one time, which wow. was incredibly painful. That sounds... 
<laughs> a certain heavyweight, I won't name him. I nearly did just then, but I won't name him. <laughs> in the eye and his toenail scraped across my, my eye. And to this day, when I look at light walls, all I can see is those flakes of calcium floating around us. Yeah, it's really quite horrible. But um, we're still good because it was nice to be associated with those guys. You end mm. up going to do some more training with, with different people. You know, I've got, you know, I train at Terry Daly's quite often because it wasn't too far from me. And Terry's a great instructor. So I go and do some training with him. You know, a club by the name of Clive Needham, I'd go and train in his club, you know, with Trevor Zastian and all those kind of guys. So, you know, there were people that you could go and train with and it was much more of a community, you know? Yeah, yeah fantastic. And what at what point then did you decide to uh, move towards things like JKD or kickboxing or Carly? Interesting. What happened was um, I was working in the city and um, I needed somewhere where I could up, up my cardio, do a bit of strength training and the rest of it. And every gym you phoned up, they said, no, nope, not insured for, for martial artists to come and do stuff. Cause I said, all I need is the floor. So I could do some floor drills, maybe a heavy bag. Don't know we haven't got any heavy bags, we don't do it. Cause gyms were very different to how gyms are these days. Yeah. Um, so the only gym which I contacted, which was actually up for me coming in was the Bob Breen Academy. But it wasn't, it was just called the Academy in those days. It wasn't called Bob Breen Academy, it was just called the Academy. They said, yeah come in. I said, you don't mind if I just use the floors? Do what you like. So I came in, did, and for a number of years, I was just a gym member. Um, in a conversation one time with Bob Breen, I found out he was also, you know, he used to fight on, on the uh, same squad that I did, you know, the AMA national squad. He, he fought on the same squad, but 25 years before or whatever, you know? So, you know, we got a bit of a rapport about that kind of stuff. And he said, look, come down and try one of the classes. Okay, I tried it and I tried it and it was quite hard. It surprised me. I thought it'd be really easy, but it was hard because it was we were doing things which I, my body wasn't quite used to. I said, you know what? When I retire from karate, I'm gonna come and do that for you. So um I just carried on just using his gym. Um and you know, this is the same era where other people were going off doing, you know, world championships as far as uh, uh stick fighting, that kind of stuff, the screamer guys. You know, yeah. when it was the first first world championships, it's around that same kind of time period. So um, I was just using the gym, training, doing my stuff. And then when I started getting these problems with the shin splints, just would not go away no matter what I did. And I was going to like a, a physio to try and see if they can improve it. It just wouldn't, it was just, it was horrendous. It really was, every step was pain. So um, in the end, and I was getting to an age where I was thinking, actually, you know what? Marriage was on the horizon. My daughter was about to, you know, was, was in the making, so to speak. Yeah. It was like, do you know what? It's just a day. And I, and I just kind of walked away. So that I better not look back. Because if I do, I'm going to be pining for it for, forever. So I kind of walked away uh, and just carried on just teaching in my club. And that, and that was it. Great. And then your, your JKD passion kind of took off from the Bob Breen Academy. Yeah, well, it's, it's, because, it's because of Bob Breen. Now, Bob Breen kind of explained things in a way which actually made sense to me and actually helped me with my karate. And he was a bit of a, uh, still is actually, a bit of a pioneer. So, you know, he was one of the first people to, to, to even, you know, do kickboxing and all that kind of stuff in the UK, you know. One of the first people to do Eskrima and Carly and JKD. You know, he's one of the first people to get Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu into the academy. You know, he had seminars with 
people like Maurizio Gomez, I think Chris Houter did seminars. All these guys came and did seminars in those early, early days before they established, you know, bigger presences elsewhere, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Bob Green had all these guys in. And, um, you know, occasionally I'd pop along to one of those seminars and have a look, give it a bash. So, yeah, that's very interesting, but I want to carry on focusing on my JKD. So, you know, I really enjoyed training with him uh, and training at his academy. It's, it, was, it was great. Yeah. What, what, because I know a lot of karate guys now, they do karate, they do jiu-jitsu. Seems to be a, a match made in heaven for a lot of people. What, what is it? I don't know why that is actually, to be honest. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, 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 well, I was always interested in it because I, I was always quite reasonably well-read in the martial arts, looking at reading the magazines every single week. You get to read about different arts and all the rest of it. So, you know, Obviously, I'd read about Bob Breen before I had a chance to physically meet him. You know, the first magazine I, I think I had, he was on the front cover. So I read about this guy, never thought I'd ever train with him, never thought I'd actually go around his house and have a cup of tea, but that's how, how things go in the martial arts world. Yeah. Anyway, as far as, um, you know, from uh, karate through to jiu-jitsu, jiu -jitsu, that kind of happened by accident. I didn't really mean it to kind of happen. I attended a Maritza Gomez seminar. I thought it was fantastic. You know, got totally crushed to pieces by Maurizio. Yeah. But I left there saying, hmm, very good. And I said, bye. I just kind of walked away from it, not realizing what was going on. By this time, people like David Anuma, they, these guys were all blue belts at the time. You know, I think Roger Gracie might have, been, might, might have even been over. I can't remember what grade he was at the time, but he wasn't black belt yet. And he was, he's like, yeah, my son just won the world. He's, he's, he's in the back here. It was just the, it was just a youngster, you know. He was he was in the class. Amazing, you know what he's achieved. And you think about, oh my God, this guy's like a, you know, jiu-jitsu royalty, you know. Yeah. yeah. But then um, I uh, got my black belt under Guru Bob, which would have been I don't know 2001 maybe, possibly 2002. And because um, I started from the beginning, it was none of this business about okay, I've already got experience. Because I think I might have been a second down as like that when I first joined the academy and started actually training there. Mm. I started training there probably about 1998 or something like that. Uh, 97, 98, something like that. And um, I, yeah, basically got my black belt and I said, right, maybe I'll have a look at this, this mixed martial arts. Now, by this time in my, in my 30s, I'm probably too old, but I didn't know, yeah? So I thought, okay, I'm gonna start this grappling and stuff. And I did, there was another seminar um, that I did uh, and it was a jujitsu seminar. And there was a guy who was a purple belt. There was a guy with a purple belt. Was an unbelievable level at that time, yeah? yeah, yeah. He was teaching uh, whatever the techniques were, but I knew nothing. My training partner was a guy who was a judoka. And I said, my friend, I don't know anything. Please just guide me and show me because you know much more than I do. And at the end, there was, there was sparring, there was rolling at the end. I said, I don't know anything, just go. And these guys just went bananas on me. He went absolutely crazy. So I don't have any techniques, so all I had was strength. So I'm yeah. fighting this guy with some strength. <laughs> I'm fighting, fighting this guy, and I'm on the mat, and I'm kind of, my butt sitting down, and I'm kind of sliding backwards, not realizing actually that the floor off the mat was like um, a lot of sawdust and all sorts of other stuff on there, so it was pretty slippery. Somehow, I'm on my butt, and I've, my legs are wide, so I've kind of got that wide angle with my legs like that, and I've gone into my heels, and I've dropped into a box split. I'm sure it's in Jerry when he just drops into a block splits. It was like that. If there were dogs walking past, 
<laughs> they would have been starting to bark because the, the, the sound that came out of my mouth was probably so high pitched, no one could hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it turned out I'd actually ruptured all the tendons going right up into the groin. Yeah? Oh, totally, totally snapped it. So I was out for about a year. Wow. So I couldn't anyone in the head or anything like that. It took probably about six months before I could even train, and I was just punching at the time. I couldn't really do anything else. But once I'd healed up, um, I think David Anuma had just come back from the European Championships. He just won at the Europeans. And he'd come in, he said, oh, I'm starting a jiu-jitsu class. Steve, would you be interested in giving it a bash? I said, what day? He said, Wednesday. I said, Wednesday's good. I'll be there. So I just started training. And so, so yeah, from that day, I've continued doing jiu-jitsu. Fantastic. I teach Wednesday class now rather than never. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and just, just finally, Steve, can we just talk about um, some of the people that have influenced you over your martial arts career? Man, um, where's the start? Um, well, Bob Breen, for sure, has influenced me. Um, Francis Nifo, my, uh, my good friend, my sensei, my, my coach. Sadly, he passed away very recently. Um, gone way, way too soon. You know, 52, nearly 53 years old. Um, he's definitely been an influence on me. Uh, Terry Daly was an influence on me. He probably doesn't even know that, so he sees this. Terry absolutely was an influence on me. Um, uh, I'd say uh, David Anuma, Neil McLeod. Um, there's a whole stack of people in the JKD world who've definitely been influences to me. And in the jiu-jitsu world, tons of people have been influences to me, because it's not just about the techniques you can learn from them, there's other things as well. Yeah. Um, people like Chris Houter, uh, Maurizio, 100%, um, John Will, massive influence to me. Um, I say also, you know, some of my, my good friends in the martial arts have been influences as well. Stuff that they've done, I thought, actually, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. James Evans Nicole, superb guy, yeah. Very good friend of mine, and, you know, He's helped me and I've helped him. So I untold people who's, who's, who's influenced me. Um, on the martial arts side, you know, it's, it's just there's too many to mention. Yeah. Uh, even from the karate days, early days, stuff that people taught me was stuff that I saw people do, um, which was an influence on my style of fighting mm. um, and an influence just, to, just how they carried themselves. And people like Terry O'Neill, the way he carried himself, you know, irrespective of his accomplishments as a tremendous fighter, just the way he carried it. I remember, you know, English or something like that, must be English championships. Terry only walking into the building. It was like the pint of the waves. Everyone just stepped aside. Everyone just bowing. It was like, this man, he's, like, he's almost like floating on water. It's just <laughs> and Hicks and Gracie's got a similar kind of, kind of vibe. Yes. You know, he just walks into a room and it's just, it's just, it's just amazing, you know. Yeah. Fantastic. And what what are your goals now, Steve, as a as a coach and a, a mentor to other martial artists that are coming up through the ranks in in their various systems? Well, more often than not, I teach kids. Um, so my goal is teaching children, and I've, I've taught children kind of pretty much all my martial arts career as a, as a, as a coach and a sensei is to develop um, decent human beings. Yeah. So, you know. Sometimes people come and train with you only for a short period of time. They don't make it to black belt. Black belt is hard, yeah? yeah. Otherwise, I didn't want to be a black belt. Yeah. But 
um, what I do want is the time that you spend with me, you pick up the correct characters, characteristics for you to be a decent human being. You know, um, you're looking to help people. You, you know, you're a good team player. You know, you are considerate. You know, and not just considerate just to those around you, to people maybe that you don't even know. You know, respect your elders. You know, look after people who are younger than you or, or more vulnerable than you. These are all things that I think, as a human being, we should all have. And um, I spend my efforts to try and teach kids how to do that. You know, um, by doing that and the martial arts, they de I develop their confidence. So I spend a lot of time trying to develop um, young people's confidence. Right now, particularly in the COVID climate, I've noticed it because I've, you know, on Zoom and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we see kids that you can't even, you know, they can't even look in the screen. They're, they're looking at the floor like this. Some of them are masking, their, you know, the camera is getting covered. You know, you can't see anything. You, half of them are like this, you know. Yeah. You're, they're in, you're in a situation where they don't have the confidence just to actually be. So I'm trying to give them that confidence so they can be who, they, who they're supposed to be, you know. Uh, and they learn how to talk to people uh, and so on and so forth. You know, it's, it is something which is kind of, uh, I think this is where the world has changed from when I was sort of like a, a young person, you know, where, um, you know, you, you learn how to, you know, it'd be the school holidays and your parents said, right, go out and play. So you go outside and let's say it's just you by yourself, did some kids playing football or whatever. You'd come and stand by the edge, you know, oh, the ball's come your direction. Oh, let me just pass it back. I've not been invited into the game. I'm just going to stay out of it. He's passed it back. And eventually they say, oh, would you like to play? Yeah, what's your name? And then you're in. Yeah. Kids don't know how to do that. So it's giving them the skills so they can be the person who passes the ball back and then starts the conversation to become part of the game. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant, Steve. Steve, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. Uh, it's great to catch up with you again after a long time. Yeah. Uh, I wish you all the very best for everything, your future. With and the same for you. And the same for you, Ben. Thank you so much. I Thank really you. enjoyed it. Pleasure, mate. Thank you.